grandfather and grandson were making their way and they were walking together, talking together about all manner of life, all manner of things that were important, what was valuable, what was needed, what was necessary. And the grandson said, uh, the, the, the grandfather rather, said there's, there's a fight going on. And the fight's not external, it's not between uh, this group or that, it's a fight going on inside of me. Terrible fight between two wolves. One is evil, the evil wolf is angry and is uh, full of sorrow and regret and greed and arrogance and self-pity and lust and murder and hate and inferiority and lies and pride. He's got all of that wrapped up in him. The other wolf is very different. He's full of goodness and love and joy and hope and serenity and humility and empathy and generosity and truth and compassion. And and, and these wolves inside me are battling it out. The same fight that's going on within the grandfather is going on within all of us. We all have this internal battle, this internal struggle. And today we're going to talk about that battle and how to ensure the good wins out. We're talking today about living right. If you want to live right, uh, the first thing that's really important is that you, in, in your core, you have to want what God wants. You have to want what God wants. You see... In our striving to do what's right, there's, there's one basic fundamental problem, and that is none of us gets it 100%. In, in our striving to do, even the Apostle Paul said, for what I want to do, I don't do. And the thing which I hate, this is that which I do. This is this struggle, and we want to do what's right, but we, we don't know how to do it. We incline to doing what we want instead of what God wants. Now, the danger is when you mix the two. Sometimes you hear people spiritualize this, right? You know, I really feel as though the Lord is leading me this way. It would be like me saying, I really feel as though the Lord is leading me to eat at Chick-fil-A today. You see what I did there? I didn't want what God wanted. I wanted what I wanted. And then I I pulled God into it and assumed that what God wanted, or that what I wanted, is exactly what God wanted. We spiritualize it. Sometimes instead of seeking God's will and saying, God, what is your will? Let me go and join you in that. We tell God, God, this is my will. And I'd like you to bless me in that. Does does that make sense? There's There's a very big difference between the two. Wanting what God wants is really, really challenging. It's not challenging when God wants what you already want. But it's very challenging when God wants what you don't want. In wanting what God wants, we are seeking one who is 100% right, who always wants 
what is good and best and right. And being willing to yield my will to his. To yield my will in all things, not just in the things where I agree with God. Now, I can read through the words of Scripture and pick out some verses that I love. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, scriptures about love and hope and peace. And these are good things, and I may agree with those things, but there are, there are harder scriptures where God says, listen, what you want is not what I want. And in that moment, the question is, will you yield your will to his? Turn to Luke chapter 22, verse 42. If you're following along in scripture, Luke chapter 22, verse 42, the picture is of our Lord Jesus. The context is the night before his death. The place is the Garden of Gethsemane. As the the grand story of Scripture starts in one garden, and it reaches its zenith in a new garden, a different garden. And in this place, the new Adam, the, the true and better Adam, Jesus, instead of having his will and doing what he wanted, which led them to be kicked out of the garden, sinned into the world, and the curse on Adam's race, we're going to see the true and better Adam, Jesus, change one thing different from what Adam did. Look at 22, Luke chapter 22, and we're just going to look at Jesus' prayer there on the Mount of Olives. Verse 42, Father... If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, Jesus wanted what God wanted more than what he wanted. Isn't that amazing? You think about that. Jesus, at least as we understand his own prayer, didn't want the cross. Now, What was it about the cross that he didn't want? Was it the physical pain? Perhaps. To be quite honest, there's been lots of people who crucified on crosses. Uh, Jesus wasn't the only person who endured such a crucifixion. No, I I think it may have been a little deeper than that. It was the spiritual separation between the Father and the Son. And, of course, when we understand that, we understand why he didn't want that. He was saying, Father, if there's another way, If it's possible, let this cup pass. But at the end of that, he yielded himself. And he wanted what God wanted more than what he wanted. My question is, do you want what God wants more than what you want? That's a harder thing. But when it comes to living right... The basis for all righteousness comes down to this. We have to want what God wants more than what we want. We must be able to yield at any place, at any point, at any time, our will to His. Here's the thing about that. When you yield your will to God's will, do you know what's going to happen in that moment? Are are you going to instantly have a a sense of holiness? Are you going to start glowing? Will the world align itself? Will everything uh, be roses for you from that point on? It will not. In fact, 
when you crush your will and yield it to God's will, there's going to be a part of you that's unhappy, unfulfilled. Think about it. When Jesus was praying this prayer, he asked God for something. And when God didn't answer for what, give him what he wished for, but instead what what the Father wanted himself, you have to know that Jesus rose from prayer, not too thrilled about what he was going to face in the next several hours. That's on a large scale. In the small scale of our lives, we have to be willing to do the same thing. You have to be willing to be unhappy. You have to be willing to not do what you want because God wants something better. And what is better will not happen right now. It may not happen this week. It may not happen for many years. It may not happen at all in this world. But we yield our will to his. Because what God wants must be greater than what I want. Uh, Paul writes, uh, and he gets more specific when he's talking about this idea of humility. Um, He talks about this in greater detail, Philippians chapter 2. Care to follow along? That's where you'll turn to. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in Form in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Now, we live in a world and a country and a culture where we focus a lot on my rights, my rights, what I want. It's my right, I have a right to it. Jesus had all those rights and more. And what did he do with them? He yielded. Have this same mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who was in the form of God, though he was in the form of God, he did not count, count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Paul talks and writes about the way in which the Savior lowered himself. Lowered himself. All the way down. He, he, he took on human form. He humbled himself, not, not even as a great human, but, but he, he took himself all the way down to very very peasantly parents, very poor, very unknown, all the way down, humbling himself not just to, not just to a human form, but to, even to death. Not even death in a respectful way, but in a very low, low, cruel form on a cross. That is the, a very poor illustration of what Jesus did. He, he lowered himself and he kept lowering himself and he kept lowering himself until you think he could go no lower and he kept lowering himself. He kept lowering his will. He yielded. He yielded. He yielded all the way to the Father. 
You say, well, that's Jesus. That doesn't sound very, that's not like something I really want to do, preacher. That doesn't sound like something that sounds that fun to me. Well, it, that's exactly the point. What if God asked you to lower yourself? And to lower yourself. And to lower yourself. Now look at what he did. Verse 9 is important. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that every so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And see, Jesus lowered himself to a point, I mean, just completely all the way. There was nothing that he wouldn't completely give and sacrifice to the Father's will. And because he did that, verse 9 says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. And one day, every knee in this room and every knee watching online will bow before Jesus Christ as Lord. And every tongue in this room and those watching and all around the world will confess that Jesus is Lord. And we have a choice, right? In this world, we get to choose whether we'll bend our knee and, and confess with our mouths. But one day there will not be a choice. There will just simply be the unescapable will of the Father. And we will glorify Jesus in all that we do. Once we get to this point, where what I want is less than what God wants, then we are in the the, the right frame of mind, the right frame of heart to begin living in the right way. See, some people, some preachers, when they talk about living right, they say, well, I'm going to give you a list of rules today, a list of scriptures to follow. Uh, and, and I think all of that is sort of useless if the person hearing those scriptures hasn't agreed with this idea that what God wants is greater than what I want. Personal example. Some of you know... Uh, if you're here with us on site, the elders have requested that when we come into the building, when we leave, that we wear masks. Okay? And they're not enforcing it, right? They don't have ushers going around with tasers, you know, enforcing mask wearing, okay? I don't like that. That's not my will. I'm not a fan of wearing masks, personally. But God, in his infinite wisdom, set up the church and put the shepherds over the local church. And we have entrusted men to make the right decisions, not just for Toby, but for the whole flock. And so our shepherds, in their wisdom, have asked us to do something, and then it's a choice. Then it's a choice. Whether I'm going to yield my will and trust our shepherds. 
I'm going to yield my will to those that God has put into authority over us. The scripture is very clear. Submit to those in authority over you. Make their work a joy. I have to yield my will to God's will. And God's will is that whatever the shepherds decide for the family is they put a lot of thought and prayer into that. That's a personal example. Okay? Now, it would be easy for me to yield my will if, they, if the shepherd said, well, you know what, no mask at all. We don't want any mask. Just everybody come and go. That's fine. And, and we're just going to do whatever you want. And I'd be like, amen. All right. You see, I, I didn't yield to their will. I yielded to my will. My point is, We have to learn to do that every single day as followers of Christ. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Some of you getting awful mad, you're going to be sending me hate mail and hate texts. This is not a mask issue, okay? Please stop. I'm making a point here. That it's easy to yield. It's easy to yield to those in authority when, when what those in authority says agrees with what I already believe. That's not where it counts. In the wisdom, the the, the fathers of the city decided that the speed limit on Meridian should be 45 miles an hour. I I don't agree with that. I don't like that. Clearly, I don't know how to manage a car at a high rate of speed. But what God wills is that his people should yield to those in authority. So long as their yielding does not transgress the authority of the Father. Okay? The city fathers say, hey, we don't want you worshiping God anymore. We're not going to allow that. Eh, okay, we've got a problem. Because their will intersects with his will. But most things are not like that. Most things are, I just don't want to. I just don't want to. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. But he did. Not because he liked it. Not even because it was his will. Because it was God's. Do you understand? Living right, this is foundational for living right. To yield my will to what he wills. And the, 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 the walk of a disciple As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Kill it. Crush it. Lower. God, I don't know if I can go any lower. Lower. I don't know if I can go any lower. Yield. Do you understand? That's hard. That's not easy. I don't like that. But God wants something better than what I want. And if I trust him, I'll yield to what he wants. Then, and only then, am I ready to do the second step. And that is to choose the right way. Now, this is a hard one to preach in our culture as well, because our culture doesn't really believe there's a right way. 
Well, there are many roads that lead up the mountain, you know, we're all going to get there, it's, it's fine, whatever you want, you know, whatever makes you happy, love is love, it's, it's all the same idea. But there's not a right way. There's not the way, there's a way. But Jesus said, I am the way, and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The basis of all Christianity is believing that Jesus is not a way, but that he's the way. Jesus calls us to go the right way. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Best sermon ever preached. Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, uh, as Matthew records this sermon anyway... As he's wrapping up the sermon, he tells a story, and he says this. uh, Enter by the narrow gate. This is Matthew 7, 13. For the gate is wide, the way is easy, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard, that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You're going to choose the right way. And Jesus doesn't really make it easy. He doesn't say, like, the right way is easy, and it's, it's easy to find, and it's easy to get to, and once you're on, boy, that path is so smooth and straight and just paved all the way for you. No, that's a very different path. Now, he says this way is narrow, and it's hard, and it's difficult. Do you know why that is? Because this path, this way, starts with Jesus. Not what I will, but what you will. That's we enter through the gate, which is Jesus. Not what I will, but you, what you will. And you choose. Let's see, can I call out Cooper Hudson? Is Cooper here this morning? Cooper might be online. Cooper, Cooper Hudson was recently baptized into Christ. It's wonderful, wonderful decision. And you know what decision he made? It wasn't just a decision of getting wet. Cooper made a decision to enter into the gate that's narrow and to walk away that is narrow and hard for the rest of his life in this world He is yielding his will to God's. And that's hard to do. The way is hard. This is how Jesus describes it. And and as, as we think about this, I think there's an important... This is kind of one of those verses that I've kind of just skimmed over before. But Jesus in this next text, moves from the end of the sermon to the end of time. Matthew chapter 25, he talks about the last day. And he gives us some clues of what that's going to be like. In Matthew chapter 25, if you want to get some insight into the last day of all time, here's how Jesus describes it. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne. 
And before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right. But the goats on the left. You know what the most interesting part to me about that passage is? This idea of left and right. Now, for those of you filming this, I need you to pull back and get a a picture of the audience because I need to pull the audience here. A little bit of a quiz. Would you please point to your right? Pretty good for a Sunday morning crowd. Very, very impressive. Okay. Ah. Now, if, if I had answered my own question, I would have pointed this way. Can you point to me to the right again? Now, wait, I'm pointing to the right, but you're pointing to the right. See, it depends on whose right we're talking about, right? Now, think about this for a minute. Go back to the text. Before him will be gathered all the nations. Okay. He will separate people one from another. A shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Yep. And he will place the sheep on his Right. His right. So if if the Lord's standing here, where would the sheep go? Where would the sheep go? To his right, right? But which way did you say was right? That way. Maybe it's not just a lesson for judgment day. Although I hope you keep it in mind, you and I there on Judgment Day together, and he says, all right, everybody on the right, go to his right, not your right. And before you get there, may you live on his right. May you do what he says is right. Yeah, but my professor in college said, no, no, wait, no. Listen to what he says is right. Yeah, but I read this book that says, no, no, no. Listen to what he says is right. Go to his right, not your right. Go to his right, not to your right. I know we live in a world where everybody's proclaiming, I am right. (laughs) Maybe it's time to start living right, and and living right means going his right. The goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I needed a prayer pal and you were there for me. 
Get it? Stop trying to live your right. And begin, begin living on his right. And on the day of judgment, go in the way that is diametrically opposed to your right. Because from my view, the sheep are over here and the goats are over here. But on your view, the goats, the sheep are over here and the goats are over here. Sheep inclined to the right. Not our right, not the political right, but God's right. And we yield to what God says is right. So may we remember to choose the right way and go to His right. Now, I have one more great point and surely revival would have come to the church in making that point. But we're going to pause there for today. And let's just end on that point. May we not go to our right. May we live to his right. And we'll finish this lesson next week. Now, the way, the truth, and the life is only in Jesus. And if you're not in Christ, you're not in the right. If you're not in Christ, you have no hope of heaven. I don't mean you're a bad person. I don't mean I don't like you. I mean, you don't have the hope of heaven if you're not in Christ. The Bible's very clear on that. So if you're not in Christ, and you're here this morning, and you want to be in Christ, we can help. We can, we can make that happen this morning. If you're watching online and you're not in Christ, send us an email, and we will make that happen too. We want to help you be in Christ because that's where it begins. And, and maybe, follow me just for a second, guys. It, it, and maybe you have been living your life and instead of living to his right, you've been living to your right. And you've been, you've been living how you want to live and going what you want. And maybe this morning you need to repent and turn and begin aligning yourself to his right. If you need to repent in a public way, if you need to respond in a public way, we have an opportunity for you to do that. We're going to sing this song. We'll have some shepherds at the back, and they will help you in whatever need that you have. It's a personal spiritual matter. You need prayer. It's a public uh, matter. You need to repent in a public way. If you need to put on Christ, uh, they'll see you through to the next step. So we're going to sing this song. If you need to respond, please do. If you're watching online, put it, type in the comments if you'd like to respond. We'll make, make sure that uh, we reach out to you and get that all handled, okay? Let's sing this song. And as we sing, if you need to respond, please do. <laughs>